You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. The Woodhat's Apprentice Charles Bard set out very early in the morning at first light. He had eaten his typical breakfast of oats with milk from his goat, Batuna, all stirred up with a handful of nuts and dried fruit. It was a dewy morning, and bits of mist clung to the groves and hillocks that surrounded his cottage. The Clericon lived a short pony ride from the town of Bustle, and though he enjoyed the shops and civilized trappings of the small town, loved his little dwelling, nearer to the meads and forests of the green country. It was, after all, out in the wilds that he did his work and earned his keep. He wore good walking boots, and a bandolier sporting numerous pouches and satchels hung across his small frame. A pair of beautifully crafted gardening shears lay in a leather sheath at his belt, and a small spade was holstered at his thigh. Altogether, he gave the impression of a capable and adventurous horticulturalist. The most defining item of clothing that adorned him, however, was his wood hat. Atop his head lay something that resembled a combination of a tall, brimmed hat and the stump of a still-living tree. This was, in fact, precisely what it was, a sort of living cap. A small branch spreaded from one side, sporting several verdant green leaves. The hat had been in Charles Bard's care for many years, and he was always sure to treat it with the utmost attention. He had watered it the night previous, and it felt strong and lush atop his head. He set off through the meadow adjacent to his home, the still wet grasses leaving droplets of moisture on his boots as he walked. There was nothing urgent he sought that morning. He savored days like these where he could wander out through the hills and forests, following his own keen instincts and listening to the strange, wordless language of the hat to guide him to some discovery. As a hunter of rare herbs and plants, the wood hat was more than indispensable to Charles Bard. It was less an accessory and more akin to a partner in his work. Lore passed down between the generations held that it was the Clericon folk that had originally contrived of the wood hat. When their people arrived in the green country millennia prior, the native folk of the land wore no such headwear of that particular style. It was said that the clever son of a Clericon hat maker created the first such living cap after seeing a clever stick a staff of animate wood that possessed miraculous abilities and knew deeply the wants and will of its keeper. The hatmaker's son set out on a quest to learn the ways of fostering such vegetal growth, and eventually managed to apprentice under the tutelage of an ancient gruffling. 
Never before had a gruffling disclosed the sorcerous secrets of cultivating intelligent wood to an outsider. Their allegiance was to the land, above all, and taught their ways only to others of their kind. Yet the persistent Cluricon had demonstrated such dedication and devotion, the wizened old warden of the forest eventually conceded to pass on his hidden craft. In truth, he too was taken with the fancy of wearing a living cap atop his hairy head. Since that time, a lineage of Clericon maintained the secret practices of woodhat creation. Years ago, Charles Bard received his own woodhat after completing five years of arduous training in the herbal arts. The hat had been smaller then, scarcely fitting on his wide head and they had both grown more seasoned in their prowess and partnership since that time. As he walked, such thoughts of history or his own past were far from his mind. The world around him was waking up, and he drank in the sights and sounds of the land. A small flock of zephyr hawks soared overhead, diving through the morning sky with incredible speed. Wildflowers bloomed in profusion about his feet catching the clear daylight on petals of fuchsia and cool purple. Charles Bard took care to keep his feet to the little path he strode down, abhorring the thought of those delicate blossoms crushed beneath his leather boots. It was certain he had shaped the hat's nature as it had matured, though it had done the same to him. As they passed a tall straight elm, Charles Bard spoke a word of greeting to it, complimenting its strong limbs, which branched high above him, shading the earth below with a canopy of sunlit leaves. The smell of sweet clover and yarrow flowers told him that he would find many flowers in bloom that day, and he tramped on, excited for what he might find. Over the course of the morning, he and the hat discovered many useful herbs. He found a lush trove of umber berries, their heaviness weighing down the short branches of the shrub, he quickly filled one of his larger pouches with these. They could be sold to the Weaver's Guild, who favored them for dyeing their cloth a deep blue-gray, the color of summer storm clouds. He had followed a branching path that led steeply up a wooded hill when he sensed his hat taking note of something. Attentive, he scanned the ground around him and at first saw nothing. Yet the hat urged him on with its silent voice. Soon enough, he spied a large snail whose shell curled round in a perfect spiral of variegated green, and his eyebrows raised with suppressed elation. The hat, too, quavered with gentle excitement as Charles Bard knelt down to follow the snail's slow progress at a polite distance. The sun climbed higher in the sky as the small man and his hat monitored the transit of the land-bound mollusk. Patiently, together, they watched as it surmounted the obstacles of small twigs and pebbles. It traveled with intention and purpose, following a path that took it below low canopies of leaves and meandered its way between blades of tall grass. Charlesbard had honed his patience over the years he had dwelled in the countryside, learning to move at the speed of a beetle and think the thoughts of a cloud. His persistence proved worthwhile, the snail mounted a large stone to descend its far side. When Charles Bard craned over the rock to look, he found exactly what he had hoped for. A wide-brimmed mushroom stood tall above a patch of low grass. 
He and the hat had trusted the emerald shell's instincts, and indeed, the snail had led them to a marvelous hubacroon, a mushroom prized throughout the green country for treating maladies of all sorts that might afflict one's head. Charles Bard harvested the fungal cap, leaving a generous portion behind for the creature who had guided them to it. The eternal sun now occupied its place of prominence in the afternoon sky, and the day was warm and bright. Charles Bard stopped in the shade of an oaken grove and took a long sip from his leather canteen. After refreshing his thirst, he poured a good portion of water onto his hat, into which the liquid soaked quickly. The day had already proved a great success, and he could return home in good conscience to nap away the rest of the afternoon. Yet something urged him on. He noshed on a handful of seeds from one of his many bags, and then stood, listening. His wood hat spoke softly, in a voice quiet and unfamiliar. Important matters lay at hand, though what they might be was occluded. Charles Bard obliged, understanding that he now moved in service to his cap, to his friend. He marched on without reservation, the hat driving him down hill and gully, over boulder and hill. He loosened his shirt in the heat of the afternoon. It had been a long while since they had traveled with such gusto. One moment found him fording a woodland stream, and the next he was picking through a patch of bramble bushes. He did not hesitate, nor falter, for he knew and felt the certainty of his wood hat. Sweaty, breathless, and laced with thorn scratch, Charles Bard found himself standing in a clearing that appeared quite ordinary. Thin, silvery trees stood tall above him, and he took a moment to appreciate the altitude he had climbed at the hat's request. Far below he could see the tiny dot of his cottage, and even further a point that marked the village of Bustle. But here, on a high hill, the wind blew fresh, and had already begun to cool his perspiration-damp clothing. The wood hat gently infringed on his consciousness once more, breaking him from his reverie. He had arrived, though where escaped him. He took a slow look around the clearing, seeing plants and trees which were unexceptional in every way. Yet as he cast his gaze about once more, he spied the small sapling of an elm, standing only waist-high. Something about the fledgling tree held his focus, and as he regarded it, the wood hat pulsed in affirmation. And then suddenly, he understood. Charles Bard knelt and gently caressed one of the little tree's leaves with a calloused finger. The seedling seemed to glow with all the illumination of a summer's sun. A wave of emotion poured over him, as he recognized that his wood hat had chosen an apprentice. Tugging at the cord around his neck, he loosed the canteen which hung there, and emptied its contents onto the tree. He watched as the water darkened the dry earth around it, disappearing in just moments. Then he stood, and his eyes marked his far cottage, and looking once more at the little tree in the grove, he and his wood hat turned to go. He knew they would be returning often to the clearing to tend to their new and fledgling friend. He had learned little of the cultivation of wood hats, for this was something his clericon master could not teach him. These secrets were left to the plants themselves, 
and Charles Bard walked home in the late afternoon, humbled to stand at the edge of his knowledge. He was happy and ready to learn from his friend, who stood atop his head. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!